Welcome to Life Source Church. We are so glad you found us. We hope that you will experience God with us as you hear the preaching of the word. I'm excited to get to talk to you today. We didn't have any teenagers that were going to step up today and share uh, a sermon with you guys. So I figure what I would do instead was share with you guys the way that I would share with them on any given program day. And uh, specifically Wednesday nights, we've been focusing on an opportunity for them to surrender their lives in a certain area. And Sundays are more focused towards uh, a Bible study, learn what it means, let's figure it out. Um, so this morning I have a story to tell you guys about a man, a couple men, and this story is a real story. It happened back in 2002, and so that's what, 11 years ago, almost 12 now. So let me start the story off. I memorized it for you guys today, so we'll see how good I can do with this here. Larry Hicks was on his way home from work, and he was considering taking his wife out for a movie when he got there. But upon re returning home, his mood had changed, and he decided that he didn't feel like going out. He decided rather to spend a quiet evening at home with his wife, Donna. That quiet evening never happened, and Larry and Donna were thrust into an experience that would change their lives forever. It all started when Larry and Donna sat down to watch the evening news in their Palos Verdes Lake home near Troy, Alabama. The sound of a low-flying, small aircraft passing their house caught their attention, and Larry rushed to the window to see what was going on. He looked down and saw a plane flying low near the lake shore, and he said out loud to his wife, I wonder if they know there's, there's high-power tension lines there. And just as he said that, the plane clipped the lines, flipped upside down, and crashed into the lake. Larry's instincts kicked in and he ran for the door. He said, I'm going to go see if I can help. And he told his wife, Donna, call 911. You see, Larry was no ordinary guy. Larry was a 52-year-old retired Sergeant Marine. And he was currently working as a conservation enforcement officer for the state of Alabama. But it was his past training that would come and make all the difference in the events that were just about to happen. During his time in the Vietnam War, he was stationed in Marine Corps Station, Iwakani, Japan, where he was undergoing special, intense search and rescue program training. When an officer had seen Larry's physical build and his daily workout routine, they figured Larry would be a natural, and he was. This training for search and rescue was specifically directed towards rescuing pilots who had crashed into water. In two and a half months, Larry was able to get a pilot out of a plane that had crashed upside down in water. Larry's brother was going to go fishing on the lake that day. So he had a 14-foot aluminum boat with an electric troll motor hooked up, ready to go. Larry's brother never showed up to fish that day. The boat was still there in the evening. As Larry headed towards the boat, his wife was calling 911. Larry was commandeering the boat towards the wreck site. As he approached the wreck site, he noticed the engine was still really hot and smoking, and there was high-octane aviation fuel surrounding the whole wrecked area. I don't know about what you guys are thinking, but this is like, what do you do in a situation like that? You're like by yourself. Um, 
So he, he tied off his boat. He jumped onto the back half of the plane where the wing was sticking out. And he knew the plane could blow up. So he dove in quickly. He was feeling around in the murky water, but he couldn't find what he was looking for. He had to come back up for air. The second time down, he was able to feel around the cloudy water and find the back of a man's neck. He had to surface for air, and the third time down, he found a seatbelt, which happened to be one that he recognized. And the training that he had kicked in, locate pilot, extract pilot, and as if it was second nature, he removed the pilot from the cockpit underwater and swam towards the surface. It was at this point that Larry recognized the pilot was bleeding from his nose, from his mouth. Bones were sticking out of his legs. His feet were facing backwards. And the pilot was not breathing. It was Larry's conclusion that the pilot had drowned. But Larry didn't give up. Donna's 911 call had brought police rescue team to the shore and they were getting ready to deploy the rescue boat. Larry called over, he's not breathing. And he could hear someone on the shore say, he's probably dead. At that point, Larry remembered some training that he had and he tried a uh, modified hymolic maneuver underneath the rib cage to try to remove any water that might be in his lungs. He then tried CPR and he got the pilot breathing. Larry supported the pilot on his chest with his left hand holding the wing, his right hand holding the pilot's head out of the water. He then started to realize that he was in immense pain. The aviation fuel was burning his skin. He yelled to the people on the way, I've got him breathing. They floated both Larry and the pilot back to shore and immediately rushed him to the Troy Hospital. It wasn't until Larry was released with upper body chest burns that he realized or that he heard the person that he saved was celebrity and millionaire Jack Roush, NASCAR and Winston Cup owner since 1988. Jack Roush you may know more famously for the Roush Mustang. If you're into cars, you may know that. Jack, Mr. Roush, couldn't remember anything from the time right before the accident until he woke up in the hospital. He had inhaled water, gasoline, had head trauma, fractured ribs, a collapsed lung, compound fracture in his left leg, and two broken ankles. Six days after Mr. Roush was sitting in his hospital bed, casted up and hooked up to IV machines, I guess he's a businessman. He started doing work on the phone and his laptop. And he decided, I, I need to meet Larry and Donna. And so he had them flown there. I'm thinking fly right after that. <laughs> Accidents are pretty rare in airplanes. But uh, had them flown there, and they, he just pretty much started just pouring out gifts towards them. Everything from clothes to tools to, to come with me to the, the race when, we, when I'm back well and, and uh, sit with me.
Larry uh, was recognized with many honors, and I'm going to read them off because there's a lot of honors, but I want you guys to hear the honors he was recognized for. Because of his heroic rescue of Jack Roush, including the Marine Corps Medal for Heroism, the Carnegie Medal for Heroism for the Carnegie Foundation, the Kiwanis International Robert P. Connolly Medal of Heroism, the Society of the Sons of the American Revolution Medal for Heroism. Also, the story of the rescue appeared in People's Magazine, and Larry and Jack made the cover of NASCAR Illustrated. I didn't look too hard, but I Googled around. I didn't see it um, really publicly there, or else I would have had a picture for you today. Also, finding any information about Larry Hicks is, is pretty tough. There's not very much out there on him. There's a couple stories you'll find like this. Um, but I did find one picture. I didn't get it up here today. He was, it was, didn't have anything to do with this, and I think it was 10 years later. But uh, that's a pretty amazing story. Pretty amazing. I mean, I heard you gasp. I had the same thing. It was like, what are the chances? He looks at, let's, let's ask some questions here. Um, let's think of all the what-ifs that maybe occurred, and I'm sure there's going to even be more. Let's go with the first what-if here. You can pop it up there for me. What if the air cam, which by the way, air cam, it's a, it's a plane that was specialized specifically for taking pictures. And one other part of the story I forgot to tell you before this is that he, he was celebrating his 60th birthday. He's a 60-year-old man. And a close friend had an, an air cam plane that let, said, go ahead. <laughs> go fly around with it. And uh, Jack cannot remember if it had to do with like pilot air or if it had to do with the plane mechanical air. He doesn't know. He still says, it's pointless for me to question, I guess. But what about all the what-ifs? And the first one is, what if the plane had hit the high-tension power lines and gone down in flames? I mean, that's a real possibility, right? What if it had crashed on the ground or hit a tree in the underwater stump field where it landed? Apparently, there was a lot of cut-off trees underneath the water. So picture it kind of as spikes and then crash a plane right down on top of it. You know, like Indiana Jones, you see the spike pits? <laughs> Somehow the way the plane landed was in between the stump field. What if Larry and Donna had gone to a movie that evening? Yeah. Sometimes people go, why are we asking all these what ifs? That's not what happened. But we have free will, we can make choices, and, and for some reason, Larry was, they were going to go on a movie date, and when he got home, his mood just changed for no apparent reason. It was just, you know, let's just stay at home tonight, a quiet evening. What if Larry hadn't heard the plane? He's sitting there, they're watching the news, and boom, you know, oh, <laughs> someone's doing a low pass. What if Larry's brother hadn't left the boat ready to go? That one got me a little bit, too, because I'm like, hmm, he's going to go fishing. And when he was done fishing, he was going to pull the boat out of the water because he doesn't live there. But for some reason, the brother didn't show up to go fishing that day, so the boat was still in the water. What if? And then here's the most glaring one, and I know you guys are all thinking about it. What if Larry had not been among the small percentage of people with the special knowledge to save a pilot in an upside-down plane that had crashed in the water? That one's huge. What if? That one is huge. And I still think about the astronomical chances, the coincidence of this happening. 
oh wait, a plane crashed upside down on my lake? Perfect, I'm trained with that. <laughs> like, none of us are gonna say that, right? I mean, does anybody have that training? I don't, I've never met anybody like that. Small, small percentage. But there's a lot of coincidences and what ifs that happen in our life all the time. Um, I didn't tell the teens how to do this, but there's a little button at the top that says Bible. <laughs> do you see it up there, top? And then you can click on the first slide there. It should be um, Psalm 19, verse 1. Should be. If it's not, you can find Psalm 19. Oh, you did it. Perfect. I'm just going to read through this, so as I get to the end of the slide, you can just click to the next, okay? The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line is gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, and rejoiceth as a strong man to run a race. His going forth is from the end of the heaven, and his circuit unto the ends of it, and there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. And we will end on this one. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Many of us have seen evidence for God. The question is, what do we do with it? In this psalm, David uses the stars in the sky as a testimony that there is a God. But why is it that people do not get this message? Uh, Scott Pelletier, he, I appreciate all of his help with the youth ministry as well, and one thing that he said he does is he gets to share evidences for creators as opposed to evolution. And there is plenty of evidence. And now it's a matter of what do you do with this evidence? Why is it that people do not get this message? Why is it when people see the stars and the sun, they totally miss the message, and instead they start worshiping the sun? Look for the message. And what I really wanted you guys to hear today, one, there is a God. You guys experience him all the time. You may have not saved somebody from a fiery plane that crashed into water, but all the time in your life, you're experiencing God. All different ways. Think of it right now. Where, where are some things? You know, think of them in your head. How have you experienced God? You know God is there. I think the reason that people still question is because knowing that a God exists does not answer the questions, if God exists, where is he? Or if God exists, does God care about me? Seeing the sun and creation, hearing stories like this, doesn't answer that question. The miracles and witness of nature do not answer these kind of questions. Maybe that's why David goes on, and we'll continue here. Um, we'll start with verse 7 again to tell us some of the answers. And this is what he says. Go to verse 7 there. On the Bible, please. <laughs> the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony, and this is, he's telling now. He says, because of all that you've read, the creation, this is now, let me tell you who this is. This, this, this God is. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. In verse 8, 
We'll continue on to verse 14. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord are pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them is their great reward. I think that's all I have up there. Is that? Okay. Begins with noticing God's creation in Psalms chapter 19 here, verse 1 through 7. And then 7 through 11, it begins to point us towards who this God is. Maybe, like I said, we haven't saved someone from a, a drowning or something that we would consider miraculous, but God reveals, reveals himself to us in, our, in his creation every day. Acts of love and provision. You guys are here today. Lots of bad things happen around the world. God's taking care of you. And if you say, what about those who we see that, that aren't being taken care of? Let's talk about that at some point. Because that's not something to go on and on about right now. But there's, there's answers for that. So I'd say this to you guys. In those things, he is saying, hey, I'm here and I love you. I think I have a slide for that. I am here and I love you. Those are, that's, that's literally when you see God act out in nature. That's what, I'm here and I love you. And I want to give you the opportunity to discover the God who is very real. If you're thinking that there must be a God or a supreme being or something more to life than just coincidences, let's talk. If, you, if you're at that point, let's talk because I, I want to share with you and show you how you can find in God's word who he is, how he operates, what he wants to personally have as a part of your life. And similarly, if you are a Christian, you've already reached that point. You're like, I'm not an atheist. I, I believe in a God. I think a lot of people are there. And that's where that first part is. You kind of believe it's more than coincidences or just situational what-ifs and all that. And you believe that there's a, there's a God. You believe there is the higher power. I feel like a lot of people are right there. If you're a Christian, that means you've, you've understood now that there is a God and he has reached into humanity through Jesus Christ. And you know him. And so it's more than just a knowledge of God and 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 him just revealing himself through creation and the actions that happen in your life. You know him. You experience him. And one thing you can do is you can share that now with somebody else that, that may just feel like a lot of this is just, well, maybe there's a God and he's orchestrating it together. But let me tell you, Jesus, you can start by talking about Jesus and how he had revealed himself to you. The story of Larry Hicks and Jack Roush is amazing. And I did a little bit more research on it, and I found out two things. One interesting and, and one more encouraging today. One is that just about three or, two or three years ago, this Jack Roush, he crashed another plane. <laughs> Stop flying. 
he did not die. He was uh, flying into Oshkosh, Wisconsin for a big fly-in. Um, actually, Scott and I had been able to do that when we were 16. We took a road trip with my parents and his parent, or father and his father. And we flew out, we, well, we drew, drove out there, but we were watching all the planes. And apparently he came in for a, a, a low pass, and I don't know if he was going to land or not, but he stalled out his plane and crashed it, and breaking his cheekbone, blind in his left eye, and broken bones. <laughs> but after the first accident had happened, um, Larry, I found this outside of the story, I was just looking for more information on it. Larry had an opportunity to talk to Jack, obviously, in the hospital room and at the races, and he said, listen, I know God has more for you. God has a plan for you. He just revealed himself to you. You know he's there, but he has something for you. Get to know him. And I don't know if Larry's a Christian or not, but he's directing the right way. And Larry has beaten cancer twice. And I guess he's battling it again for a third time. But he knows. He goes, listen, God's not done with me either. I've come through the cancer two times. God reveals himself to you every day. But are you just at that level where you believe in a God? If so, take that step. Get to know him.